Hey guys, welcome to Squatch Talk, episode five. Uh, We're in Prime Ape Objective. I'm Pat. And I'm Ernie. And uh, welcome to Squatch Talk, everybody. Uh, tonight, episode five is our first guest episode. And tonight we have with us, as promised, Mr. David Bacara. He is the curator and owner of the Bigfoot Museum in Cherry Log, Georgia, called Expedition Bigfoot Sasquatch Museum. Welcome, Dave. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, we, we definitely want people to know about the museum. Um, it's in Cherry Log, Georgia. That's North Georgia, kind of between uh, Blue Ridge and Ella J. Pat and I have both been to the museum, and uh, we really like everybody to know what a comprehensive and, and, and a very serious look at all of the evidence. It's not just a roadside attraction, folks. This is a, uh, David is a very well versed in the Bigfoot phenomenon and it's a very comprehensive exhibit. Tell us about how you got into Bigfoot to begin with and then kind of move into the, uh, talk about the museum, if that's all right. Yeah. Um, I probably got started the same way. A lot of guys and their 40s and 50s got started by went to a good theater to go see the legend of boggy creek ah. with my brother mark <laughs> and man that just that just lit something off inside me i don't know what it was i was amazed to think that it was real because it was presented as a docudrama or a documentary right and mm-hmm. um you know you could just tell that it, it really wasn't based on true events even if only half of it was was true that still right. pretty much proves the thing to be real and yeah. uh, so I just consumed everything. I grew up ever since I was 12 years old. I've seen, watched every documentary, TV show, books, articles, um, you know, anything I could find to get my hands on. And uh, I became an investigator with the BFRO about six years ago, seven years ago. And um, so I was an investigator for Florida. So I've uh, did quite a few uh, witness interviews, on-site investigations, a uh, couple of public expeditions and lots of private expeditions. And um, we moved up to Georgia about three and a half years ago. And uh, I had actually planned on opening up a small mobile museum to take to like state fairs. But oh, uh, I gotcha. just, yeah, and I thought that'd be neat, but there's just no way I could squeeze enough into any size no. RV. It just, yeah, there's no way. Yeah, there just isn't any way. So um, <laughs> we moved up here and people were used to ask me, I was in a restaurant business when I moved up here. People would ask me all the time, hey, what's a great thing to do with our kids or grandkids to come to visit? And I'd say, well, you know, there's like one or two little things, but they're really, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that as tourist um, strong this area is, they're just, nobody's really giving them anything to do. You're uh, right. There's a lot of consumer stuff, a lot of shops and stores in the mountains, but not really a lot of activity based stuff for tourists. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we, we, I was really hoping for. I had some, I had some relatively realistic expectations, but um, after our first couple months, those were out the window. We were just, we were way busier than we could even hope for, and, and and the responses from people coming in were so, um, you know, they're so supportive, and mm-hmm. and then of course the reports started rolling and. We were like, holy cow, we couldn't believe how many reports in the North Georgia area. I just took another one uh, day before yesterday and last week, two more, uh, one, two in Blue Ridge up uh, on the lake 
and then another one in Sherry Log, and we we actually have a map mounted in our in our uh, we have another map, a Forest Service map of the area 15 miles within the museum. There's probably I don't know 25 sightings up there, if not 30. And these are people who have, when you say reports, you're talking about folks that have actually come in and spoken to y'all. Is that is that pretty much how you hear about it? Yes, and which is so surprising. I had no idea that there was going to be this many people opening up about their local reports. And there's really not that there's really nothing that significantly important about this area. The terrain's a little steep, so it's easy for them to hide. But if there's mm-hmm. these kind of sightings here in this little area of North Georgia. You can just imagine the amount of sightings in Tennessee and Kentucky and, and Ohio and North and South Carolina, um, Virginia, Virginia. Yeah. and and then when you really uh-huh. start to grasp the amount of people that have seen these things and kept it to themselves, it's it's mm-hmm. really it's really uh, it'll t- it's, it takes you back. That is really fascinating, uh, Pat and I. Of course, well, you you got into this quite early. I uh, I was not aware of anything. Bigfoot related at all other than hearing what I thought was just a dumb legend when I was a kid until 2005. Um, That was when I first became aware of any actual phenomenon or adults still telling people they had seen nine foot apes in the woods. And so I, that's when I started consuming everything and delving into all of it. Um, And recently uh, uh, Pat and I have heard that, in the Appalachians, for whatever reason, people historically have been less likely to talk about these things. And as I remember once when I was there speaking with you, you had mentioned that a lot, you know, a few of the folks that come in will say, I've never told anyone this before, but, and they'll let you guys know about it. Yes, sir. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head right there. That's probably a really important element right there is that people in the mountains, whether you're in the Appalachian mountains or smoky mountains or you're out in the rockies people that live out there they're very they keep to themselves there's a reason they live in those areas they don't right. want to be bothered they want to be on their neighbor or on their uh, property and they keep mm-hmm. to themselves and man this, this is like one of the last things they're going to tell somebody is they saw a yeah. bigfoot so um yeah you're 100 right they keep to themselves up here culturally you know it's just right. a different kind of thing i suppose for folks in in that in this region uh, and again, when I first got into this, of course, I was, uh, you know, you're, when you first get into Bigfoot and hear about it, you're kind of drawn to the Pacific Northwest area of the phenomenon. And uh, living here in the East in the Appalachians, I was stunned when I got into the research, research and realized how long a history there's been here. You know, really fascinating. Yeah, lots of, his, lots of uh, historical uh, stories. Um a lot of written things in newspapers about them up here and, and good luck trying to find them too. So you might find a, a neat article from the early 1900s, but of course now everything's microfished and farmed out to, to right. uh, subscription companies. So the, if you try to find something, not like you can go to the newspaper anymore and go through their microfilm, oh. they're, they're often digitized in some other company and, and uh, it's just not as easy as it used to be to find these things. Man, I, I, I've never heard that. I didn't know that. That's too bad. Yeah, yeah you can't go to the news, newspapers anymore. They they send them all off to a company, and it's all stored digitally somewhere. Right. Wow. That was that, probably a lot of work to do. So sure, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Um. So, Dave, David, I wanted to ask you, and congratulations on your initial success at the museum. And that's 
if you build it, they will come, right? Yes, like, yes, thank you. And uh, so that's great. But going back to what you're talking about with the reports that have been coming in recently, I was blown away by the one that you took down by Rockmart. I mean, that just blew my mind. Which one was that? Uh, it was a road crossing or it was by a church or something. It was a, oh, right. Yep. In their vehicle. It's just yep. south of Rockmart. Yeah, that, those, that couple was so excited. I probably talked to them maybe a week after it happened. And, uh, oh, my God, they were so excited. Not only did they not believe in Bigfoot, they really didn't think there was any way there was one in Georgia. And on top of that, they didn't think they'd ever have the opportunity to see one, even though they didn't think they were real. So it was like a triple. It was like a, a super ice cream fudge sundae with whipped cream and a cherry on top. <laughs> so these people were probably in their fit, late 50s. Oh, my God. They sounded like they were 60. They were giggling and just really so excited to tell me about their about their um uh they said they were just very excited so did, uh, very animated about telling me the story did it did it scare them i, I don't think it scared them because they were moving along at about 40 miles an hour mm -hmm. and uh by the time they'd seen it, it, it they only had to see it for three seconds before they were by it the wife got to watch it for another three seconds looking out the rear view window you know by so i don't think there's any time to be really scared but they, you know, they probably gone by it when they realized what they were looking at. By then, it was already out of view. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember hearing anything about fear, but wonder and awe at mm -hmm. seeing it, how close it was to the car, mm. and of course, how big it was. I remember the wife saying that if it was a person in a costume, I don't know what in the world an, an eight foot person is doing standing in the in, in the middle of the night on the side of a road, two lane road. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, he'd have to be eight feet tall to fit in the costume. Now, there's not a lot of those around the, the planet. <laughs> no. <laughs> yep, that's a fact. Yeah. Exactly. But you it's can't... crazy. That's that's a crazy area. I can't believe they were down there. And that was during the wildfires, too, wasn't it? I, I believe so, yep. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. And uh, at Rock Mart, Cedar Town, and Dallas, Rome area. Oh, has God. been so many sightings down there. Holy smokes. Hmm. That's amazing. But there is a whole lot more rural area there than a lot of folks might realize. I mean, there really is. There is. Oh, yes, yeah, certainly. And of course, you know, a lot of people forget that. And that's why I try to tell folks at kind of museum, hey, where's a good place to go camping way out so we can maybe see a big fun? I say, you don't have to, man. You just, they'll come up at the back of your cabin at night. Yeah. I mean, the, the, if you have a, do you have a garden? Plant a garden. Plant some fruit trees in your backyard. That's really the best way. Um, Don't say uh, that to Ernie. Yeah. <laughs> Ernie lives yeah. in the cabin. Oh, does he? Yes. Yeah, I mean, there, it's food. I mean, uh, to me, that's just what I think. I think the driving factor is uh, the payoff for food. And if you have chickens or a garden or fruit trees, mm -hmm. um, you know, if you, you know, have an easy accessible garbage can in the backyard, if you're the kind of people that overcook, and throw your food out in the garbage all the time. You don't save leftovers. All these little factors add up and increase your chances of having a counter. Yeah, just easy, like easy food source that See they it? don't have to work for. Right. Yeah. Uh, high, high payoff, low uh, output. They don't have to. Exp they're, not, they're not chasing a deer down. They just right. basically walk up and eat something. Yeah. And, you know, for the skeptical minded listening, you know, we're not talking about eight foot tall Sasquatches walking up at 12 noon to inspect right. your chicken coop. You know, uh, these creatures are, you know, going to be able to hide quite 
quite easily at night. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wooded environment. Um, before I forget, I, I wanted to touch, uh, I just wanted to continue a little further about the museum for, uh, listeners. You know, you can go in your museum and literally spend all day. There is not just a lot of actual exhibits to look at and read about, but I mean, there's a theater to sit and, you know, watch a documentary. You've got, you have, from what I recall, the entire Sierra sounds recordings. That's correct. Yep. And you can, there are listening stations, folks, with multiple sets of headphones. Uh, mm -hmm. Everything from the Elkins Creek cast in Georgia to the Eight Canyon incident in Washington State is represented. Uh, and then you've got kind of the little, uh, the little uh, lounge area with the small library of everything that's probably ever been printed on Bigfoot. Yeah, we have a lot of books in there. I, I usually try to find a couple more books every month to add in there. People donate their books to something they read five or ten years ago or something their brother left over the house. They send it to us in the mail. So we just keep building our, our library, and which is right next to the Howells exhibit. And you can hear 21 minutes of real uh, recorded Bigfoot Howells from all over North America as well. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's, that's excellent. And I love the uh, vibe of the museum. I want to talk about that for a minute. It is, it's very rustic and oh, it, yeah. it feels mountainy and, and just rustic and cool. I love it. It's a great vibe. Thank you very much. Yeah. And folks, it is literally in a rustic setting. This is not downtown in some small town somewhere. This is, uh, you know, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere and that, but I mean that in a good way in a nice rural picturesque setting. And I can see why, you know, a person who lives in that area who, let's say, had an encounter and like we discussed earlier, just hasn't wanted to have to tell anybody. Right. Well, if they're driving down this road, they can pull in there and feel rest. They can kind of rest assured that the whole town's not going to see them pull in there and talk to you necessarily. It's not like having to walk into the Bigfoot Museum that's right next to the Walmart where everybody in town's going to see them. So I think it's encouraging. You know, I think it's kind of a... <clears throat> If, uh, if unintentional, I think it's a benefit. You know, I think people feel, would feel comfortable going in there and that atmosphere and seeing, wow, I'm obviously not alone, you right. know? Yeah. Yeah, we had uh, another gentleman that I had talked to a few, two years ago, maybe not that, a year and a half ago. He's in his 70s. Um, he just, just getting ready to open up his own Bigfoot museum over in North west arkansas very Ooh. near harrison i think the name of the town is piatt's p y a t t arkansas i couldn't find any out on the web i reached out to him a few few days ago just to see how he was doing because he's got he's got a fantastic eight foot bigfoot model that he had professionally built by a sculptor cost him almost ten thousand dollars uh because he had a terrifying encounter about 15 20 years ago uh, Bigfoot reached into a truck and grabbed a hold of it, just bounced him all over inside of his truck. Um, what? what? Yeah, yeah, physically yeah. attacked him. Well, that's because he had a he had a rifle sticking out the window. He was getting ready to shoot one of them, mm. and uh, uh, because he he knows they're coming into his yard, going through his firewood pile, they would pick the bark off the firewood, pick eat the beetles that were down in the bark. Mm. And uh, he told his neighbors, and they laughed at him. And uh, he said, well, I'll, I'll show you. So uh, he hired a hunter, a professional hunter, to shoot and kill it. But the hunter got drunk the night before and, <laughs> and, and did a no-show and, and backed out. 
So he, he said, well, I'm, I'll do it myself. So he got inside of his old pickup truck and uh, rolled, cranked the windows down and sat there waiting for them to come out just at dusk. And when they did, when, when it did, it was one of them. He picked up his gun. He aimed at it. He's just getting ready to shoot it when he hears a commotion behind him, turns around and out from the wood line comes another one, which he had never seen before. And he, now, by now he's dropped the, he's the gun and he's trying to crank up the windows the old crank windows on the old pickup truck, but he couldn't get them up fast enough. And it reached in there and grabbed a hold of him and bounced him around in there like a raggedy and doll. Boom, bang, bing, bang, off the roof, steering wheel, knocked him out cold. And uh, when he came it to... not kill him. No, it didn't kill, kill him. Nope. Uh, <laughs> he was so, so... Uh, uh, what do you call it? He was just so affected by it that uh, <laughs> he hired a guy to make exactly what he saw, uh, the body shape and everything. He worked side by side with the sculptor. And so this is uh, his eight and a half foot uh, model in his cellar is, um, is exactly what he saw. So anyways, he built a museum around it and it's supposed to be opening up in about two weeks. Clifford Lebrecht is what his name is. Clifford Lebrecht. He's been studying Bigfoot ever since then. I'm sure. So, yep. Yep. So he's a very knowledgeable man. Well, I think it's, it's, safe to assume i mean these things they mutually support each other um just from what you said of that story you know oh yes and you hear that all the time and you should assume it that's for sure it doesn't mean you can't catch one one that's a loner but you know they they are really good at mutual support <laughs> yeah, yeah i had a guy i had a witness down in Mayaca, florida that um i went to he showed me where this row crossing was and he had a hair sample and, and this guy was a hunter. He was really into hunting, and he it lit him up. He was like, I am going to catch one of these things. He's been hunting turkeys and, and bear and deer and gators, and he just loved to hunt. So he just figured this would be something else that he was going to hunt. And he started texting me saying, I'm going to build – he designed a big Bigfoot trap. He sent me the drawings for it, <laughs> and I was trying to tell him that is a profoundly bad idea because I told him, who, they don't travel alone. They travel in groups and pairs. And what are you going to mm. do when you show up to that trap and you got a Bigfoot in there and there's another one waiting for you? Yeah. <laughs> to let that one out of there. Do you want to? And, and uh, as far as I know, after that moment, he he didn't progress any further. Well, right. I, I I don't know how he could have possibly gotten the materials out in the remote wilderness that it would take to trap one of these things. Right. Well, he had I a mean, neat, he had a neat plan for it. And actually the plan, I mean, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. It was based on a grizzly bear trap. And, uh, but I told him, I said, but, I mean, they don't travel alone. You're not probably not going to get two in there. So, um, something, yeah. some kind of big giant barrel or something that, that climb into and get stuck or something. Yeah. Big heavy duty culvert. Yeah. With, uh, iron bars that would, that slide down on it. So, you know, probably theoretically, it would probably work. I don't know if you could actually outsmart when to get him in there, but probably I'll not. Think he could probably figure it out pretty quick what was going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. The outsmarting thing appears to be, you know, the key to everything. This is, yes. you know, a lot of people theorize. They say, well, you know, I used to think this was just a dumb ape or a simple ape, but now I'm starting to think and they go into, they, they, and we're not going to slam or close the door on anybody who, might want to suggest par a paranormal attribute to this, mm -hmm. but 
there are a lot of people who I have seen sort of jump to that a little too quickly because a, they, they just don't, they haven't studied enough about the known world, the natural world, primates, uh, climate, diet, all of those, all of those things that can explain a lot of what people describe. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it, the theory doesn't have to be a dumb ape or a simple ape. It's a, it's a very intelligent, complex ape. That's the theory. Yes, you know? sir. Yep. Uh, they wouldn't be able to stay hidden and do these things. They obviously have strategic cognition. <clears throat> and it doesn't have to be, for listeners, it doesn't have to be the same type of intelligence, the same combination, the same gears of intelligence that humans have. But if they exist, by God, they are very intelligent. However it is that they figure things out, apparently they do it quite well. Oh, yes, very well. And, and you know, when I started doing this, I was in the I was in the ape, you know, it's a North American ape. When I first started doing this, I was, you know, everybody kind of get into the stuff that's out there, Grover Krantz and Jeff Meldrum. You guys have been doing it for a long time. And then you, have, you start reading a few stories uh, that kind of, ex- you're going to have to expand your parameters a little bit. Maybe they're, well, maybe they're more like cavemen, more mm-hmm. like people, but kind of a, instead of an ape, maybe like a primitive man, uh, because they all look so different. I mean, each their faces all look different. Yep. Different color hair, blonde, gray, brown, black, flecked, uh, multicolor, sparsely hairy, then very hairy. It, it just runs the whole gambit. And, yeah. um, and and then you start. And then you start. I think I think that the thing that really starts to turn people into the towards the paranormal, which is really you know when they talk about the woo. We're just talking about us science we don't understand yet. Don't forget. You know, at one point, the theory of gravity was woo, mm-hmm. and the fact that the that the Earth revolves around the sun instead of the other way around that was woo. So there's all mm-hmm. kinds of science back in the day that people talked about that was taboo, and some people got burned to the stake or washed out of the profession. But now it's accepted as reality. So You're right. The, the paranormal and the and the woo. It's just it's just mm-hmm. science that we don't understand yet. <clears throat> yeah, and then, I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah, and, and when you get in front of some witnesses, some really strong witnesses, grown men, whether it be a hunter or a police officer or a guy that had a, a, a terrifying encounter when he was a young man, and they start to tell you about these paranormal aspects of the encounter, the first one you're like, yeah, you get kind of dismissed because you know, you know, maybe the guy was upset. It was you know, it's it, it could happen to anybody. But then in the second one, the third one, the fourth one, the fifth one, and then you start, okay, you start to see it. Not only do you see, you hear paranormal, but you start to see a pattern in paranormal uh, aspects of the Bigfoot, their behavior. And you start to go, oh, wait a minute. This is, you know, I mean, you can either dismiss all of it, or if you're a true investigator, if you're a true researcher, you have to look at all the facts, regardless of how inconvenient they are. True. And, right. and, and yeah. then you start, and then, you know, when you do that, then you're pushed to talk to other witnesses. So I think when you actually, reading a book is one thing, or, um, or reading an encounter that somebody's written down, what you're really getting is you're getting a, a pre-screened and cleansed report. You're only getting what that researcher put in that report. When you get in front of a witness and he's yeah. telling you everything that he saw, 
and everything you heard and witnessed, that's where your eyes start to really open because you're like, wow. And, and it's quite possible this person is telling you this grown man is crying. You know how many times that happens? People pull over. I mean, they're crying. They're reliving the fear of, uh, of this encounter. And, you, and when they start telling you what happened, you're like, oh, my goodness. You know, you really have to start rethinking, reshuffling your deck. And um, so, you know, I, there's some people that are just way out there. Like, oh, I'm just not into, I'm just not into crystals or pyramids and some of this goofy stuff. Right. Some people that means a lot to them. I, and I apologize. I, I don't want to offend anybody, but that's just not my bag. Crystals and pyramids, and you know, you put the razor up there and it sharpens <laughs> under a pyramid. I don't get any of that stuff. I maybe I'm just dumb, you know, but I. You get to a point in your in your life when a man is standing in front of you and he's telling you something. You can tell when this man is telling you the truth, right. and uh, you know you, you kind of get a sixth sense after you become a certain age in your thirties, thirty five, forty. You've heard a lot of BS, yeah, and, and, and you can spot when somebody's telling you the truth. Yeah. So uh, you you have to start reshuffling things, and then sometimes your investigative skills take some maybe a little twenty five or thirty degree angle off over here to this direction so you never know where it's going to lead you yeah and the problem david is quite simply we don't have any good observation points on these things you can't just observe them and these encounters happen by almost random right you know all right so what people are seeing that's all we have to go on in their interpretation of what they're seeing and i'm sure they're seeing some funny things but you know uh, yeah, the, you know, there's something going on there, like the way people say they they glide, you know, right? Like it wasn't floating, but it looked like it was floating. That kind of it's like, well, you know, you know, it's funny you should say that. I just had a guy come to the museum about four months ago. He came there with his boss. He works at a farm, and I actually I've driven by this farm several times on the way out to uh, Emmaculate State Park. And uh, he came in and told me he worked. He said, "Oh yeah, I've, I've driven by there a bunch of times." He says, uh, this is my boss. I brought my boss with me to tell you the story. Sorry. Sorry. Anybody know what that was? That's a motorcycle. I thought you were getting eaten by a Sasquatch. (laughs) I did too. (laughs) I was going to send help over. Cool. One million views later. (laughs) Now, please continue, David. What were you saying about gliding maybe or – so this, so this guy comes in, brings his boss with him, and he says, I, I brought my boss with me because I, the story I'm about to tell you, if I just told you, you think that I was making him up. But I've been working for this man for 30 years, and he's going to tell you that I'm a straight-up guy. So I look at the guy. He's like, this guy's been working for me. He's never lied to me and I, for the life of me. I, don't, I wasn't there when he saw this, but he's an honest man. So I said, well, tell me what happened. He says, well, he says, uh, I think this was about a year and a half ago. He goes on the back porch. He lives on the farm property, goes out to have a cigarette and a cup of coffee first thing in the morning. Sun had just come up, and uh, he's looking over the over his, the back of the farm, and there's a hill off to one side. And he sees this dark figure coming down the hillside and comes right to the fence line, and it hits the fence line. And it starts to move along the fence line. But as he's watching it, this, this thing, he says it's gliding. He says it's not it's not moving its arms and its legs. He says this thing is it's like it's it's moving, but it's not walking. Hmm. He says it, it comes right down the hillside 
comes right in front of my vision, right where I'm looking at it. And he says, it's not look, never looked at me. It's just looking straight ahead, never moved its arms, its feet, its legs, nothing ever moved. So then it turned a 90 degree angle and headed straight out towards the woods. <coughs> Excuse me. And he says, as it headed towards the wood line, before it even hit the wood line, this thing just vaporized. It just smoked out into nothing and never, ever went into the trees. And, you know, I've never had a report like that before. I've heard yeah. of reports like that. But here's this yeah. guy telling me, drove in, uh, 45 minutes to the museum to tell me this, had his boss with him. Um, I had no reason to not believe him. Um, they toured the museum and they left. And uh, it's funny, I just had a meeting with a fella hmm. uh, a week ago when I was in Washington. I'm not going to tell you who it was. He's a pretty famous Bigfoot researcher. And I told him, and he looked at me dumbfounded. I said, what? He says, I've never told anybody this, but the one I saw was not moving his legs. He said the damn thing was levitating across the the fire pit and i was i was blown away so I, and um and it's funny how when you share these kind of things with the people all all of a sudden they have permission to oh my god they want to unload what really happened to them so i mean right. there's two things that's happened to me just just two of the paranormal aspects do do i believe these guys are telling me the truth yeah absolutely i have no reason in the world to think they're lying to me do i have any explanation for it i have no explanation for it None. <laughs> I mean, that's starting to go outside of known physics. That's basically. right. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. Yep. I mean, you're not talking about something as simple as an undiscovered upright walking ape. All right. That's extremely elusive, which makes sense in the real world. But yep. and, you know, yeah. that's that's fascinating because again, like you like you say, David, I when I got into this, I was convinced, okay, well. If these things exist, and obviously they are a flesh and blood, very reclusive, uh, rare, rarely occurring species of hominid, mm -hmm. you know, and that's about all we know. But that was a good enough, uh, you know, biological, natural world theory for me to uh, at least follow, right, and uh, and look into. And uh, so again, I, I'm still not. Uh, I don't have any real opinions one way or the other about. The, uh, the paranormal aspects as of yet, but my mind is open. Like you said, when I, when I got it and I'm technically speaking, I am still a skeptic. I, I do not believe that Bigfoot exists, but I'm, I've done a heck of a lot of research. I'm compelled by it. I know that number one, it's biologically possible and there's plenty of biological precedent for it. And two, I know, I know that it's likely, um, and so when I, with my research, I've, you know, again, as of late, when I hear this, it's, it's kind of a smaller percentage of people that describe paranormal attributes, but it's consistent. You know, it's consistent over time, even reports that were documented by guys like John, or at least in John Green's era. These are books that I've read. I can't, I can't quote you chapter and verse right now, mm -hmm. but. The occasional mention, even back in the 50s and 60s, of strange lights in conjunction with a Bigfoot sighting and similar things. Uh, again, it's, it's a small percentage, but it's consistent over time. Oh, oh yeah, you're 100% right. And I think it really took some brave folks to say things back in the 50s and 60s 
but now the uh, now the amount of people that are talking about strange lights in areas where Bigfoots are seen, um, it's becoming more. I don't want to say it's, it's becoming. You're you're hearing about it more, and I think yeah. once people know that other people are saying are having the um, are talking about it, then they feel they feel a little bit better about talking about their own what really happened at their sighting. And some people, there's some people coming forward and uh, revisiting their sighting and, and saying, you know what, I, there's something I need to add to my to my encounter that I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to think I was crazy, but uh, this happened or the, or I, I felt this or this strange thought came into my brain that wasn't even my own thought. So, yeah, and, and honestly, you'll, you'll get to a point where you can just wallow in the ape theory after – 10, 15 years of like, man, I'm not getting anywhere with this. I mean, we should, we should find this. If it, if it was yeah. a bear or an otter or some fairly predictable animal, by God, we should find these. We should find some bedding. We should find bone piles. We should, people should be getting more of these things on camera. I mean, these are things that are beyond super elusive. Uh, I mean, they're so hard to film and take pictures of um it's just yeah. it's just uncanny i'm mean, think of all the people out there with cameras and cell phone cameras true and drones and we still we're still looking at the petty 50 years I, later we're still I, looking at the I, patterson gimlin film i agree david but I, I gotta say this about that you know they spent two two and a half weeks in the woods on horseback and i don't think anybody's i don't think anybody's done that since and you know, not to any large degree, that's for sure. Right? Yeah. Good point. They were, uh, you know, back. In, those were tough guys back in the day. Yes, you know? they yeah. were. Sheesh. I mean, God bless them. I wish. You know, there's, there's still some tough guys out there, and there's some great investigators out there. I have yeah. my hats off to them. Holy cow! Some guys and, in Kentucky, Charlie Raymond out in Kentucky, and uh, um, Mark Zasky, and a uh, and a few others down in Florida. I mean, there's some really, there's some folks out there that really, really. They rough it. They go out there. Um, uh, there's a fellow out in Idaho that does a lot of great work. Um, there's, just, there's just too many even names. So there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot. some yeah. awesome researchers out there. Yeah, and the and the other aspect of that is, um, you know, I don't think I'd pull out my phone and try and try and film it either, unless I had a guy on horseback pointing a rifle at it. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it, you know, people are just so taken back when they see these things especially the ones that never thought anything about Bigfoot. They're just, they're not thinking about capturing on video. They, they just want to get the hell out of there. <laughs> yep. That's a fact. Yeah. Um, a lot of people say I saw it. I never even thought about grabbing my phone or taking a picture of my phone. You're just taking it in. You're just like whole, your brain just like, you know, it just take, trying to take all of it in without yeah. even taking your eyes off for a second. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've heard stories about, you know, people, 30 minutes later looking down in their hand and not even realize that they had, they're holding the, their pistol in their hand 30, like 30 minutes later. Wow. And not even, you know, realizing that they had their gun in their hand the whole time, you know? Yep. So, and that's understandable. I mean, we're talking about an eight foot tall, four foot wide, 800 pound creature. And, and if you've never seen one, it's just gonna, yep. it's going to blow your mind. 
And it's worth, while we're on that note, it's worth for the skeptical listener that 90% or greater of all Bigfoot reports, those logged before the internet up to the present day, uh, you know, they describe seeing something way beyond the human range. And it is usually, and that most of them say they were not Bigfoot believers. They were not aware of this mm-hmm. ongoing phenomenon. Um, and they, most of them say it was a fleeting, very brief encounter. Usually it's person sees Sasquatch, Sasquatch sees person, Sasquatch turns and walks away <laughs> most of the time, you know? Wow. And, uh, so if you're standing there, if you're a hunter, you've lived your whole life with your hands getting bloody and cutting up deer and eating that meat and understanding, you know, everything that's around you naturally. And then suddenly you see something that doesn't exist. It only lasted for less than 10 seconds. Uh, most people just say in their words, their entire world was turned upside down. It's not a moment where you suddenly go, oh my gosh, look at that. Let me get a picture. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's not a yeah, it's not just, uh, it's not that calm. So uh, I can I can understand why we don't have uh, better footage. But again, you really do start to wonder. Again, I've I've only been into this since '05, but yeah, I'm still quite puzzled. Well, still quite puzzled just how so we you, could not prove. Yeah, just so you know, David, we're we are putting together a plan. I know everybody says this. We, we are putting together a plan to get good footage of one. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a simple plan, but there's a lot to it. It's one of those things. Mm-hmm. And, and it does use technology. Because if, if, we, if we're going to get observation points on these things, it seems at this point, the only way to do that is to use the technology that, right. that we've developed in, in our species. I mean, we put robots on Mars, okay? Right. Mm-hmm. So I just don't think there's a lot of people doing that. And, and I definitely know there's that, that a lot of people there are doing it the wrong way. I think is my opinion. Right. Yeah. I mean, technology, that's not, man, we, we, we're going to use it. Let's, we can't ignore it. Um, I've had a couple ideas to make some camera traps. Uh, I still put cameras out in the woods. The outside chance I might get a daytime opportunity. Maybe want to come by the daytime because we're, we're mm-hmm. pretty sure they can see in the infrared spectrum. They so they can see that flash, whether it's a day flash or one of those infrared flashes. Yeah, we're we're about ninety eight percent sure they can see in that spectrum. Yeah. Um. So you know they avoid the cameras at night, but maybe you'll get lucky and get one. I've seen a few out there, uh, whether they're grainy or from a distance. I've seen a few daytime videos of them taken from trail cams. I look pretty convincing. So yeah. I mean, you just never know. I mean, if, if you don't use it, you'll, you'll never get anything, you know? So right. I've, I got anywhere from eight to 12 cameras out in the woods all the time. And I figure, well, you know, if they're just sitting in my, in my closet, I'm never going to get anything, at least put them out in the woods and just, and, and give it a shot. Yeah. You've got to, you know, if you're, if you're hoping to catch evidence of the most elusive thing in the world that doesn't exist, then yeah, you better cast a wide net. You know, you better do everything. If you, if that's your goal, then why not try everything you can? Exactly. You, just, you never know. And back to the physical thing versus paranormal, you know, that the one thing that I've had so much trouble in my own mind with, but again, if anyone thinks they know it all, 
you know, thinks that they have the full answer, obviously they're wrong because we don't, and I don't pretend to have any answers, but there is physical evidence, and at least there's trace evidence in the form of trackways that seemingly could not have been hoaxed, and track print prints themselves with dermal ridges, the splaying of toes, a depth that no one else, no human, even a horse, you know, can't duplicate right next to it. Mm-hmm. Um, then we've got unknown primate hair from North America that all meets the same similar morphology. Um, looks kind of like a wild human hair, never cut. It lacks a central medulla. Doesn't seem to have that central cortex that a lot of other hairs have. Then, of course, there's the sound analyst, uh, sound analysis, of certain recordings that uh, have been independently verified as being beyond the human range in frequency and volume and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, discovering that kind of evidence made me lean. You know, again, that points towards a physical being. And uh, I suppose I'm still kind of in that camp, but this. Uh, in fact, speaking with you, David, once uh, maybe the first time I went up there and was able to talk to you and your wife a little bit, and y'all mentioned the woo, and I thought, well, gosh, what's what's up with the woo? And you explained, well, you know, it's so many people keep saying it, and we don't have to stay on this topic, but uh, it's very interesting. It's very interesting and puzzling. Yeah, very. And, you know, it's the it's just a great it's the greatest mystery. And I think the thing I really like about it so much is that you can go right in your backyard. You know, you don't have to go into space. You don't have to like become an astronaut to find adventure and you don't have to uh, buy a hot air balloon and try to break the world altitude record. I mean, all you got to do is grab a tent, a sleeping bag and a little bit of gear and go out in the woods. And you have just as great a chance to see one experiencing one as any researcher. So it's so tangible and it's right there. I mean, really, all you got to do is just go right out your backyard, man, and you have a chance of, of seeing something that uh, just defies logic. And, of course, what a lot of people, when they see one, it really starts to reshuffle everything. When you see one and you realize these things are real, oh, my God, you're in, you're, you're in shock for three, four, five days because you're rebooting. Your brain's rebooting. You're like, mm-hmm. you know, well, so and, and subconsciously you're going – not only are you thinking Bigfoot, you're thinking, oh my God, UFOs and, and Loch Ness monster and and uh, you know all these monsters that you grew up with. If right. this thing's fake, if this thing is real, what else is real? So yeah, yeah everything's reshuffling. It, you are. It's just a uh, some guys get a real uh, profound. Uh, they're in a state of uh, post traumatic uh, yeah. PTSD. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just had one, uh, over in Tryon, North Carolina about last month, this guy, man, he had, had one under his house throwing lumber around, <clears throat> walked out from under his house and turned the corner back up towards the street in the middle of the night. And he turned and looked at him and he looked at eye to eye. And th- this poor guy, he was ex Marine, 59 years old. And wow. he wanted me to drop everything. And this is a Friday night and come to his place right now, bring all my cameras we're going to huh. get this thing. And I was like, well, first of all, what are you going to do if you get a picture of it? Because no matter what you get, guess what? It's a, it's a man in a monkey suit. <laughs> so it's always going to be to those people. It's always going to be a man in a monkey suit. There's nothing you're going to do to convince them of right. what it really is. So, and, and another, I said, if it was, I said, go downstairs. If it's throwing lumber around, if it was under your house, it's probably chasing something down there. Yeah. So he went down there and, and uh, sent me a picture of a dead possum. It must've had a, possum corner down there 
So wow. there's a dead possum down there. And, um, and this guy, he went from within a couple of days, it went from freaking out. Cause I told him, I can't come over there. You're just going to have to handle this. Uh, the next night he left his back doors open so he could come in the house. What? Yes. He left his doors open. What? Uh, to see if he would come in the house at night just for oh food. God. Oh my God. Then he went and got apples and put some apples out in the backyard. And this poor guy, well, he must've been <laughs> texting me 10 times a day, calling me, texting me, calling me, texting me. And uh, I took his calls cause he, he was, he was in shock. I mean, he was trying mm. to figure out what's going on. Anyways, about 10 days later, well, a few days later, it was howling about a hundred yards from back of his house. Two nights after that, he was over his neighbor's yard, throwing her metal garbage cans around and him and his wife saw it. And uh, about a week after that, it, uh, he saw a female. He left some apples in the back of his property. I told him, just put some food back there. Apples, honey, honey buns, uh, you know, just something good for him. And, and uh, he looked back there and there was a, a seven and a half foot female taking the apples, looked at her right in the eye. And uh, the last I heard from him, he was on his way to the store to buy donuts to leave oh out there for him. Oh, wow. So it, it was everything had changed for this guy. He was so excited. Um, and I, I think I just heard something from him back about three days ago. And uh, it was just a short two sentences. But he said, David, this, this has profoundly changed my life. Wow. And yeah. it seems to have that effect on uh, most everyone that who like gets really gets to see them like a good glimpse of them. Yeah. Yep. It changes. Which means, it always changes them for the better too. It's always for the better. Hmm. Um, me and Arnie, Arnie and I have never, we've never seen one. Uh, in our last show, we talked about uh, potential encounters that we've had through vocalizations and stuff like that. And we didn't even tell everything, but we've never seen one. And I'm pretty right. sure Ernie does not want to see one around his cabin. No, <laughs> yeah. I don't. You know, it's funny. I, I, I selfishly, I, again, I say I'm a skeptic, still officially a skeptic, but I'm fascinated by this phenomenon. And I think it is the greatest mystery of modern civilization because we have gone to the moon and we still didn't know they were here. And so to me, that's, if they do exist, that's absolutely huge. Um, and I, uh, I used to think, wow, you know, if these things exist, of course, are you kidding? of course I want to see one. Who doesn't want to know what these things look like? Who doesn't want to see a nine-foot-tall, living, breathing, hairy ape monster? Uh, I've been living in the remote woods in, a, in an off-grid cabin in an area of North Georgia that is allegedly rife with Bigfoot reports. Hmm. And I'm kind of right in the middle of it. And uh, I got to tell you, man, when you hear enough stories, read enough stories, hear enough interviews – of people describing aggressive and sometimes violent encounters. And then there's the missing persons aspect of this. Uh, you're in the woods at night by yourself. It would take a long time for anyone to get to me or for me to try to get out of there if there was anything wrong. And I've pretty much decided, no, I, I don't, I don't want to see a Bigfoot up close. I don't want to see a Bigfoot anywhere near where I live. Frankly, I really, I, I don't know. I, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Take David on stories of aggression, stories of violence. What is your general take on that? Oh, I mean, there's a few of them out there, and um, I had a, I had a, uh, I had a conversation over the internet with a guy 
<laughs> who was upset because um, the organization that I volunteer with, he was convinced that we were telling people that these things are gentle force giants and they never hurt you, which we don't. I mean, you know, we just, we just, you know, for the most part, we just put the facts out there mm-hmm. and you, right. it's all up to you to make your mind right or make your mind up. But he said that um, he was, he was contracted by the forest service to clean up uh, Bigfoot kills at national parks. And he Can said, I back you? Can I, may I interject? Could you? Who is this person again, and where did this story originate? <clears throat> he uh, he uh, contacted the organization. I'm trying to remember if it was through me or was it the organization. I think it was through the organization. And he never gave us his name. Yeah, he never gave us his name. And um, he, but he did say that he was contracted with the Forest Service, and uh, he thinks that we we are crazy. To be trying to tell people that things are these things are just forced giants that never hurt anybody, because he'd seen um, more than a couple uh, results of what these things can do to campers. And wow. uh, and we, I think we tried to get a little more information from this guy, but he 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 just wasn't having it. He was going to give us any specifics. The reason for his all he wanted to do was tell us to stop promoting these things as gentle force giants. Hmm. So there's no proof there, you know, but uh, of course there are, there's plenty of stories out there of them hurting people. That's a compelling motive just to stay on that particular guy. It's not like he was trying to take everybody for a ride and become some sort of celebrity himself. He reached out and wanted to emphasize to you guys how dangerous they were. And then he kind of vanished away. That's that's a pretty interesting claim there, you know? Yeah. Yep. And and you know what? you have to I always tell people when, you, when you're getting into this, when you're saying, well, I want to learn about Bigfoot, you have to take it all in. Yeah. You have to put everything in your toolbox and listen to everything politely. And uh, whether you believe it not or, you know, or not, you may change in three or four or five or six years. And you'd be glad you had that little thing in your toolbox back there to pull back out and reexamine again. Because, right. you know, when you're, I'm not the same man I was when I was 20. Absolutely not the same man it was when I was 30. And so we change, you know, our experiences change us. And some things that we didn't think we understood when we were in our younger years, we understand now really kind of, kind of works the same, uh, very similar to that. So, but you have to, it takes a lot, a lot of input, man, a lots of, lots of unfiltered input so that for you to get a fair and balanced, um, judgment as to what these things might be where they're from and and of course what they're doing here yeah and i just i want to chime in on their potential how dangerous they are i mean they're wild animals you know um essentially and you know we all go to the grocery store every day and we walk around each other and we get along just fine and every now and then we're pretty dangerous animals ourselves yeah right I mean, we we kill people, <laughs> so um, it wouldn't it, w- it wouldn't be a shock to me that a Sasquatch has killed a person. In fact, I would I would say it's almost a certainty, and um, I'm sure there's been some people that have killed some Sasquatches too. But right, um, but yeah, they're wild animals, and um, you know, a lot of a port, a lot of reports do show some sign of aggression. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whether it's they have a, a young one in there, there's all kinds of reasons for aggressions. 
and, and then again, maybe just like people, maybe one out of every thousand is just a homicidal maniac. Yeah. Exactly. And will just kill anybody if it gets a chance to kill people. And it could be that, you know, one could be a handful of Bigfoots that are responsible for a large majority of the aggressive encounters. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it really is. I mean, it's, it's uh, it just runs the whole gamut, man. You just never know. Yeah. I mean, if they're hominid, they're, they, they're subject to psychological diseases. Sure. You know, just like people are, you know, it's funny you say that uh, diseases because I'm aware of at least two, actually three reports of where these things were described to have a withered arm, a withered yeah. leg, or both. And uh, there was a famous Georgia incident where a ginseng hunter came across one when he was picking ginseng. And yep. this thing had a withered arm and a withered leg. And I contacted a uh, an artist because uh, I'm working on a, uh, a little exhibit about that story because I like the, I like the fact the guy looked at it. He had got a good close-up look at it. And it was here. It happened here in Georgia. And uh, I said something to him. I, I, I described it, what it looked like. And I forwarded the report to him. He says, you know, he says, it almost sounds like it had polio. And I thought, well, that's quite a observation. He says, my dad had polio as a child. And because of that, he suffered with a, a withered leg and a withered arm for the rest of his life. I thought, oh, my God, what an incredible observation. If they're part human, yeah. then it would only make sense that they would, that they could suffer from human uh, diseases. Mm -hmm. And so I started. I studied up on polio, and lo and behold, polio is spread by feces. And these uh, things have been described huh. in unclean, unsanitary conditions. That's how polio is spread. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought, well, you know, of course they're just, you know, they're they're described as having, you know, defecate on themselves and urinate on themselves. Right. The way right. they smell, I thought, oh my God. So it's uh, just interesting how you might say something to somebody and everybody has some little recommendation or suggestion. <laughs> and if you listen to, if you take in all the input, you'll have those aha moments. You're like, oh, you know, yeah, it happens a lot. Discovery. Yep. Yeah. It, it happens to me, um, you know, on a weekly basis. I get a little aha moment, you know, to some sort of theory just comes to me. I'm, I'm like, that kind of makes sense, you know? Yep. Because the community talks a lot, and so all that all that information and, and discussion, there's a lot of discussion, you know, like what's happening right now, and and so that builds on itself in a way, you know. I, I tell you, people sharing information is so important. Yeah, that is the only way we're going to get to the bottom of this thing. These researchers that either don't have internet or they don't feel like they should share it with anybody i'm like well what how you, you if you're going to get information you have to share it when i get a witness on the phone and yeah. he's telling me his stuff i share information from other sightings from this area other witnesses that describe similar situations that's uh, to their own and uh I'm, I'm totally into man if you ask me if i if, if i've heard something i'll tell you i'm just i'm 100 free sharing of information and uh, maybe I can help somebody else have their aha moment, connect something that they heard back in the past. And uh, invariably, somebody's going to say something and, and give it to me. So, yeah, sharing information, everybody working together is, uh, as, as best as we can anyways. It's very important. I agree. I agree. Totally yeah. agree.
Yeah. And I think we need to work together. We, we need to work together to like right now I'm focused on getting good imagery of these things. Cause like you said, the PG film is the best we have in what? 40 plus years. Yep. Um, go almost 50. Um, almost 50. Oh, yeah. I think it is 50 this year. <laughs> yeah. Right. 67. So yeah. And, um, I like, it, like I stated before, I think there's reasons for that. And, um, the, the community or people who are interested in trying to do something like that in, instead of going out and trying killing one, which that's a whole different topic of impossibilities. But you know, I think there's legitimate ways to get good footage and it's going to take a team of people to do it. Uh, trust me, I'd go do it right now by myself. If I could, I cannot, you know, I've got the plan, but I cannot execute it without people. Yeah, I tell you what, it, it pays. It just pays to be nice to people, even if in, in this field there's so many people that are just like, I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you, why do you shoot people down? Even if you don't agree with somebody, I never publicly uh, yeah. disagree with them ever. That's you know, if that's the if that's the conclusion they have right now, it may change. Who am I to? to um to try to change their mind they'll they'll figure it out if they if somebody asked me some questions i'll give it to them but again if we could just learn to just to like really work together with each other a little more civilly and You're not right. and not and just like butt your opinion in there or especially tell somebody they're wrong because right. god how do we know they're wrong yeah you know? There's, so there's a lot of hurt feelings out there. Um, hasn't happened too much to me, but I've seen a lot of other guys and gals just withdraw off the internet after they're attacked. But then there's some good trolls out there too. Yeah. You know, you know yeah. that people that have never picked up a camera or have no idea how to set up a tent or where to find a Bigfoot, but boy, they'll be the first ones to jump out there and say, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, there's some oh, people I out. Yeah. There's some, some real you know what's out there yeah i know i just i just made a video um debunking one of them a guy named donald prothero who's a paleontologist um you know he's got like 50 degrees <laughs> and he all he does he, he insults and makes fun of of the bigfoot phenomenon you know i just made a video uh, debunking a lot of his mistruths because he he tells lies about it which is very odd right wow yeah and 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 people like that, are, you know, it, there's no reason for you to attack what is a legitimate phenomenon. You could, it, we could all sit here and say, well, maybe there's not a monkey in the woods, but there's some right. phenomenon happening. And that is without a doubt. It's not just uh, a secret society of, of hoaxers going out in the woods, laying down footprints and, you know, hoot, hooting and hollering in the middle of the night, knocking on trees, right? Yeah, isn't that something? Um. Yeah, I mean, agree a hundred percent. Yep. Yeah, it's a fascinating phenomenon, and it persists. And uh, looking in, as you know, as the three of us know, you can hear about this in the beginning, and write it off it from a distance, and go, "Oh, really? People report seeing monsters in the woods." Well, let me tell you how to explain that. From my living room, I'll tell you how to explain. <laughs> that's that's how these scientists who call themselves skeptics, but in fact, uh, they're they're naysayers. A, a true skeptic will 
uh, critically analyze everything like we've talked about and then come to a conclusion if that's at all possible. Yeah. Uh, these scientists that, uh, that, that publicly and, and loudly and proudly like to make fun of uh, the Bigfoot phenomenon and Bigfooters, they show with their own theories that they have not looked into this. They show with their own theories like saying, oh, it's just bare misidentification. You know, it's just bare misidentification. And obviously they didn't look into the phenomenon. They just sat in their living room, heard there was a phenomenon and decided they would debunk it from a distance. Uh, if you look into it, you realize, yeah, of course there's hoaxing. But the legend, the phenomenon far predates that by hundreds and thousands of years. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you can't hoax nine feet tall, 800 pounds. And, uh, People, 90% or greater of all alleged eye, uh, Bigfoot eyewitnesses claim that they saw something beyond the human range, humanoid, and they know what bears look like, you know? Yeah, and I'll tell you, I, I think a lot of scientists are, I hate to say it, but if, if they don't go out and do a little bit of research as to what people are saying they saw, and if they're yeah. just going by what they were taught in school, they're, they're really handicapped by their own education. Yeah. It's actually handicap. It's it's working against them. It's so, limiting. Um, it's limiting. And what Pat and I kind of noticed, especially breaking up, we came across is that they are coming from a belief system that none of this could be real. Therefore, all these people are stupid and and simply when in fact it's the bigfooters themselves are the people who don't have a belief system. And then they have Ernie. Yeah, you got it. You got to stop moving around, man. <laughs> really? You're, yeah, I can't. You're in and out, in and out. Um, so, okay. okay. Yeah, you're on the move. I can tell. Well, uh, I was moving around the same amount as before. How about right here? Okay? Now you're still breaking, coming in and out. Just make sure you're just on that. You know, Right on mic there. All right. Well, it could just be my signal. Maybe. Uh, I was just saying that many skeptics say that believe, uh, Bigfoot people, Bigfoot believers, they believe in Bigfoot, therefore they wind up seeing Bigfoot. And that's simply backwards. It's not the case. No, and we know that. And those are naysayers, like you said. Right. Hey, did you guys by any chance hear uh, Adam Davies and um, – um, Carlson's John Carlson's account of what happened up at Soya uh, 2000. Yes. Did you hear that? The potential portal. Yeah. Was that experience? horrifying? The portal thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was, I, I, I never heard of that. Uh, I just heard it myself. I heard the whole story. Maybe, I don't know, two weeks ago, I think. Mm. And as I'm listening to this thing, I'm thinking, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, uh, and here's this guy saying, look, I did not want to see this. And and there's an important aspect to this because when you guys were talking about um, how people will, will withhold information, they only tell you a little bit of what they hear mm -hmm. and sharing information. Well, here's this guy who's a trusted, serious researcher and doesn't believe in any of this woo stuff. Silly. He's, this thing's <laughs> flesh and blood. And he goes on to see to say what he and John Carlson had saw up at Soya, uh, Matt Johnson's uh, interaction area. 
And when I'm hearing that thing, I mean, it just turns everything up on its head. And for some things that I heard from other witnesses, they it kind of clicked. Well, you know, it kind of clicked a few things, not all things, but I'm just thinking of this. I'm thinking when I hear that, I'm thinking, well, is it what is this what explains uh, the Mothman phenomenon? Because there's just as many um, upright and good witnesses that describe seeing this flying humanoid. Uh, there's not as many witnesses, but they're just as good. Yeah, uh, describing Mothman sightings as there are Bigfoot sightings. So if if you try to do selective hearing, well, I'm only gonna listen to Bigfoot reports, or I'm only gonna listen to Loch Ness monster reports. You know, if you can take in a lot of uh, these flying humanoid reports that were made the newspapers, and um, of course, more recently the Mothman sightings, does this explain some of these unusual uh, flying humanoid? Because let's face it, they're not from around here. Flying humanoids, <laughs> yeah, they're not revolution. You know, right. They, yeah. Unless we're talking about flying monkeys from the Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz, yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you know, there's some, there's some weird stuff out there. Well, I, the rabbit hole was, seems to go pretty deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does go deep. And if we, um, if we ignore, if we just ignore that stuff, then we're we're doing ourselves a disservice. Because if you're going to put the time in to research this phenomenon. You might as well do it wisely and take in all the input, get all the input you can. And uh, is, even though it's inconvenient and you really don't want to go there, you're yep. cheating yourself right. if you don't take it all in. You really do have to. Yep. You have to. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to yeah. go yeah. there. I mean, you, you know, there's. A, uh, I say this a lot to people just in life generally, you know, it's okay to have an open mind, but don't be gullible. There's always got to be some kind of filter. You know, right? Oh, absolutely. You don't want to let in a bunch of rubbish, uh, and people could take advantage of you. Obviously, you could right. get hurt even. Um, but yeah, I mean, I hear you. And the the weird thing that kind of about that portal story that you were talking about is that it, it seemed really like prolonged. Like it went on for a long time, and I, like, that's a real good time to bust out the video camera. It's not just a ten second encounter, you know. Yeah, isn't that that is interesting? There's a lot of interesting aspects of that, and you know he had cameras there. Yeah, and 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 somebody even asked him, "Why didn't you? Why didn't you tape it?" And they were like, "You know, it didn't even occur to us to get the camera because we were so overtaken with what the heck was going on in front of us." And but um, you, and on the other hand, you're researchers. That's that's your. Yeah. that's what you do. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it went on for a long time. They said yes. So. It, yeah, it's so that's frightening. I mean, that's scary stuff. Even for for people that have been in this for a long time, you think you have an open mind. When you start hearing some of this stuff, it's it, it's frightening because you realize you have no defense against these kind of things. There's no defense. No, you're really at the you're really at the um, uh, your risk level. Yeah, the really at the risk or. At, Anything could happen to you out there. Anything. Yeah. And then you, now you're back in the David Polites thing with all these missing 411 people, and it gets it gets scary. So suffice it to say, when I when I'm out with when I go squatching by myself, I'm usually not carrying. But if I have my wife with me, I'm always carrying. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do that often, David? Do you go squatching? Oh, I'm all the time. Oh yeah. Really? Yep. I don't care. All year. You know how to camp. all year round. I, I try not to do too much in the summertime. We'll do a hike, 
uh, yeah. in the summertime, but I don't like to camp. It's just too, it's just too uncomfortable, especially no. I want the wife to be. It's like Vietnam up here, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it is. Yeah. We have the most amazing, uh, like greenery physiology going on up here. And it's like Vietnam in the summer and it's, it's like wide open in the winter. It's, it's a great canopy. And where are you at? I'm I'm in North Georgia. Oh, you okay as well? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, it's grinning up nice yep. right now, isn't it? Oh boy, you can't see twenty it's, feet from heaven. No, no. So yeah, we're full canopy now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Can you hear me? Okay, at this second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, David, I wanted to ask you: Have you are you aware of any stories from any wildlife agency employees? Anybody like a fish and game person or even a wildlife biologist, any type of person with authoritative knowledge of wildlife? Well, uh, on Stacy Brown's uh, channel, which is Appalachian Bigfoot, I think it's, uh, I see, not Appalachian, but uh, Appalachicola Bigfoot or Skunk Ape. I think it said Appalachicola Skunk Ape. Um, he's got a... Uh, a, uh, not me personally. I've actually had game wardens call me and ask me for to get information, but I've really? never heard one from them. Um, oh. But I've, I did talk to game wardens that said their boss saw one or their friend saw one, but not them personally. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Stacy Brown's got a guy in his on his post who was just he was in the shadows. He's, his identity is concealed, but there's two parts where him and his friend were. Uh, driving along the break, fire break of a forest fire in, oh my goodness, I can't remember where it was at. I think it was somewhere out west. And he hit a small Bigfoot, ran out in front of his vehicle, and they hit it with a, I think it was a one-ton dually. And they get out and look at it, and they call these guys, and they come and take it. These guys show up in hazmat suits or black or men in black or something. <laughs> and then they debrief these guys, and man... This guy, he said, you know what? I, I would have kept quiet because they told me, asked me to be quiet if I would have kept quiet. But they threatened me. They threatened me and my family. Mm. He said that really, that really rubbed me super wrong. If you would have asked me, I would have done it. But because you threatened me when I gave you no reason to, to doubt my word, mm-hmm. that's why he was coming out with a story because he said these people, the people were dangerous. Not the Bigfoot, <laughs> right? But yeah, he hit it with his truck, and uh, it was a, it's a, it's an amazing thing. Um, it's a, he's blacked out, but you can hear the guy talking, and it, it's, it sounds legit to me. That, well, we're that, familiar with that interview. If it's the same one, his voice has been altered, and it's right. blacked out. Uh, that, if I recall, was in Florida. And yeah, it might have been. And he cites the forest fire. Uh, that did happen. I've done research on the forest fire, um, uh, historical research on that, but I know what you're talking about. And it's a very, very compelling. Uh, I have another friend who is a a very compelling witness who met that fellow. Wow. Who met that firefighter at a Bigfoot convention. And our friend told us that uh, the guy is absolutely 100% genuine. That's true. I had forgotten that. That is true. God, would um, that be cool? That is nice that somebody met him. I'd love to meet that guy. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, Fascinating report. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that can maybe be arranged. I don't know, but um, well, if uh, what were the uh, 
what were the wardens call, calling you about? Yeah, I had I had a game warden call me from Florida when I was still researching in Florida, investigator in Florida. And he was asking me all these questions he was really interested about. It. At first, I was like, this has got to be a setup. I mean, right. Florida fishing <laughs> game guy calling me? Come on. I mean, yeah. I'm not, I didn't just like, you know, get off the boat. But the more right. I talked to this guy, I said, well, you know, do you have access to Facebook? He says, well, he didn't have a computer. And I said, you want to learn about Bigfoot? You don't even have a computer? Yeah. You don't have an email? I said, I said, step one, hang up and go to Best Buy and get yourself a smartphone and uh, get yourself internet access, a Facebook page, join about 25 groups. I said, just go to my Facebook page. I gave my name. See all the groups I belong to, just like every single one of those, and then and then commence learning. I said, but I can't. There's no way I can sit on the phone and tell you 50 years of research, right? Uh, over a, in a conversation, I just don't have that kind of time. So, uh, yeah, but he he sounded legit. The more I talked to him, he was, he'd heard some stories, but he didn't have any personal stories. But uh, I did, I did, um, I did get. A little bit of trouble back in uh, 2010. <clears throat> Excuse me, 2010. I got caught by a game warden uh, back squatching. Of course, really? I, 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 yeah, I was back there after hours. But you know, when yeah. you're looking for Bigfoots, who's following the rules? I'm not. Yeah, no. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm back in uh, in game sensitive areas. You know? Yeah. And uh, I'm not, you know, and I don't, when I'm back there, I don't have a gun with me, so they can't accuse me of poaching. Right. right. And they, I give them my card and I tell them what I'm doing. <laughs> Usually they calm down. And uh, uh -huh. this was a young guy. I was back there with another researcher. And uh, he wrote us a, he wrote us a little warning about not being back there, but he was pretty decent. I asked him, I said, you know, I got you here. You know, have you, have you ever seen or heard anything? He says, I, I haven't, but he says, my boss has. He says, my sergeant has seen something and has taken a couple of reports on it. And of course, I'm not going to ask him what a sergeant's name is because he's not about to out his sergeant. So right. I, I just noted the conversation. That's fan. That's really something. You know, that, that really is something. I'm hearing, uh, I, I, you know, Dr. Meldrum and John Mianchinsky have a project and they don't really publicize too much, but, um, at one speaking engagement for Mianchinsky, which was rare, he was giving a presentation on their project and said, <clears throat> excuse me, that several wildlife officials will approach them because they're from, they know about their research, they know about their project, and they will, uh, they will disclose their stories uh, confidentially. They'll allow the scientists to use their stories and the information in their research, but not use these people's names. Wow. They, now, these are very credible scientists. And of course, among the top scientists in this looking for Bigfoot, saying that they have an ongoing list, <clears throat> a growing list of wildlife officials, you know, government employee wildlife officials from different agencies that contact them about their And man, I would give anything, you know, to have that kind of disclosure publicly. You know, that's quite an observation, Ernie, right there. I never thought of that, where um, a scientist, two guys, that uh, Mianchinsky, what a great uh, story. I, I really like that guy. Oh, I'd love to hear him talk sometime. Um, that where a, uh, a, a state game warden, uh, would, he gives himself permission to discuss his 
sighting or experience with a scientist, a known scientist, because he knows that guy, he's, you know, he's a trained guy. He's, he knows he's not going to out his name. He can trust him. So that's actually a a great observation. That never occurred to me with that. You would be almost like a door for reports from uh, uh, county and federal workers. Oh, that's really something. Yeah. And then obviously these folks feel like, well, these scientists are not looking for uh, a lot of publicity necessarily. They're trying to get to the bottom of it, especially Mayanchinsky. So yeah, I would feel that they have a certain comfort level, uh, an employee who uh, some sort of wildlife authority that's had an encounter would feel a little safer going, knowing that he'll have confidentiality, you know, knowing that he'll have the anonymity that he, that he wants in order to, sort of safely share his, his encounter. But man, I, I would give anything to have uh, you know, public knowledge of those kinds of people, of that demographic of people. I think that's, you know, the, the highest tier of the eyewitness uh, facet of all this is, of course, the credentialed. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and you can, ima- you can just imagine the kind of behavior associated so not that they're not all going to be i saw a track or somebody uh um you know i just saw it do a quick road crossing some of these these stories that come to these guys have to border on the paranormal you know it's just it's just a matter of, of the dice that's just the odds are three or four of these are going to sneak in there where these guys got to go man this didn't come just from somebody this came from a trained wildlife uh, uh, observer and officer. So that'd yeah. be kind of interesting to find out what, and, and those guys aren't going to share that. If something, any unusual aspects to any, uh, um, any of these signs that come to them, they'll never get out. They'll, they'll just they'll be living in their memories. That's all, which is too bad. I think it's worth for the skeptical listener to keep in mind. You know, there are a lot of law enforcement, and I mean, I don't mean any uh, disrespect to law enforcement, but it's not the same thing. A municipal law enforcement employee does not necessarily have the same kind of benefits that a federal, you know, that a forest ranger is going to have. And, uh, you know, if you're a forest ranger, a a DNR employee, if you're a federal agency employee, you're far less likely to say something that might jeopardize your career. Oh yeah. Uh, there's no doubt that, uh, I've been to a couple state parks where, uh, the rangers are really nice. Some of them are fairly new and they're almost too nice. And they start asking me questions and, and, uh, you know, I look at them like, you know, you're asking me some kind of pretty basic questions about Bigfoot. You think they know, but we just assume <laughs> that, you know, they're all on the t- They're all on the hush hush. Well, they couldn't be. It's just you know, too big. Not. It's right. too big. You know? Correct. Well, they say, well, I'm going to start asking some questions. I said, don't do that. Yeah. Don't I said, if you like your job, just because he, he, he said, let me ask some questions. See if I can find out something for. Him. I said, don't do that. I said, I will do my own groundwork. Yeah. I, you know, I would feel terrible if you went out and somebody got the wrong word that you were asking, you know, questions, and you all of a sudden you find yourself uh, in the unemployment line. I said, no, sir, don't do that. You just keep this stuff to yourself. I tell him I wouldn't even share it on your Facebook page if I were you. Yeah. 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 yeah no joke. I mean, there. At, at this point, there, there's no doubt, man. There's there's a section of the de- Department of Interior that knows the deal, <laughs> and and those people are in place, you know. 
Yes, sir. I don't think my congressman knows. That would be ridiculous. But there's just, you know, with bureaucracy and large government, you know, like we have, you've got these little independent agencies that, you know, could easily deal with this thing. And and really, it doesn't it only goes so high up. You know what I'm saying? Right. It can stay compartmentalized, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't happen every Tuesday. There's not somebody claiming to have a dead Bigfoot every week. So it's not like the alleged men in black are going to have to be deployed constantly. You know, it's not, in other words, it wouldn't be that difficult to hide. You know, it wouldn't be that difficult to cover up the few instances where, let's say, the men in black were called in. You know, it doesn't happen everywhere. So. You know, and people ask me to come to the museum, they ask me, how come, you know, how come they don't, if the government, if you think the government knows about them, how come they don't just come out and, and tell, how come the Smithsonian doesn't, you know, come out and tell us about the giant skeletons they have? And I said, you know, it's possible, it's possible that it's, it's a good idea that we don't know everything. It's, maybe it's a good idea we don't know. Not everybody knows, I should say, where these things come from and what they're doing here. Maybe the, right. maybe the truth is so upsetting that in a short term, we're just better on better off going about our lives, going to work, coming home and watching the TV and spending some time with the kids and putting the burgers on the grill. Maybe mm-hmm. in reality, it's just better for us to know that that's our reality. It's possible. It's yeah. And it, it sure would, would change a lot of opinions about go, just going out in the woods rec- recreationally, which is a, a huge industry on the end of itself. Right. Yeah, Pat and I uh, will probably sometime soon be doing an episode just on our theories and the generally accepted theories as to why this has been covered up. And it's no one reason, at least in my opinion, if that's the case, it's not going to be just one reason. But certainly over time, all of those those reasons have apparently become important, you know, from, uh, like you say, just the overall naked truth of this could be very disturbing, upsetting. Uh, who knows? We there don't are know. consequences. Yeah. Yeah. There would be. Yeah. Like, uh, I had a guy call me, uh, a few months ago. Uh, he was actually, I'm sorry. He had toured the museum with his wife and kids. He said, I'm a big hunter. And he says, I can hunt and kill anything. He says, if I, he keep come in and talk to me about sightings in this area and whatnot. Nice guy. And he says, I'll tell you what, if I, kill one of these things if i drag one of those woods he says if you do you have a card here i could call i said hell no (laughs) i said don't call me i said don't even put my number on your phone Mm -hmm. i said if you shoot one of these things do not call me yes you're on your own yeah don't email me i do not want guys (laughs) dropping out of this out of silent helicopters in my house with automatic Mm -hmm. weapons kicking my doors down looking for the body oh no 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 no, just so uh, you just take that thing, drive it straight into the heart of Atlanta, right in front of the CNN building, drag it out of the street. And and that's it. Everybody in China knows about it 15 minutes later. Yeah, that's yeah. my theory, at least. That's my theory, too. That's my theory, too. Well, it, it really, who's to say that somebody hasn't already done that? Who's to say somebody hasn't dragged out a real body? But after the authorities got to them and said, look. This is this is bad. I mean, you have got to say this whole thing was a hoax. Yeah. Because 
it's it's the the implications of the whole world knowing these things are real or or worse instead of better bad things are going to happen not good things and who's to say that some of these people went, oh my god this guy's right so i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna tell the tale that i hoaxed this whole thing it was all fun and games and so who's to say how many times that hasn't happened right. who's to say you know uh, yeah. yeah i guess that's what happened to rick dyer then yeah cool <laughs> <laughs> nah i don't think so yeah <laughs> everybody but him i mean I, Right. You know, they called. They called me at the museum. They wanted to come and shoot an episode of his show at the museum. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Uh, you know, I can. I put up. I can put up with just about anything. But that whole thing, he just Ugh. gave the whole state of Georgia the Bigfoot dome. You talk about a shyster. Oh my yeah. God. Mm-hmm. So I just said, you know what? <clears throat> I said, I just said no. I said I want you guys shooting the episode with Rick Dyer in here. I've never yeah. met the guy personally. So I can't say I know him personally, but yeah, what no. the, the wreckage that he leaves behind in the Bigfoot world is evident. It's just plain to see. So I agree. Well, what are your future plans, David? What, what do you got going on in the future, man? Um, like I said, I'm working on these last five exhibits. Uh, and I'll tell you something. You think trying to find a Bigfoot is hard. Trying to find authentic artifacts, and that's what I'm always looking for. I'm looking right. for Bigfoot manipulated items. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we, they're out there. And uh, thankfully, witnesses come in and tell us about them. Um, so, anyways, that's the kind of stuff I'm working on these last uh, four or five exhibits that will be going in the new conference room. And some re- some revelations have come to light about um, who these things are. There's a, there's a fellow I know that's been interacting with them. I'm really? in the uh, Pacific Northwest, and he's got some. He's got some answers to who they are and uh, what, what they're doing, and, and and there's theories out there that say, you know, if you if you pay attention to the Bible, and I'm I, I'm not I was raised a Christian. I'm not super religious, but you know mm-hmm. I'm aware of what some of the scripture says, and um, you know there's there are mentions of these things in uh, Genesis six and some of the books that were left out of the Bible. I mean, you talk about interesting. I mean, how many other how many other uh, topics go just go all over the place, either yeah. ancient art or uh, the, the uh, forgotten books, of the Bible. So, uh, um, so in, in, anyway, there's some incredible revelations that are coming out about these things. And even though um, it, you know, have to take everything with a grain of salt, I do see, I do see truths in this, which are disturbing. Hmm. And of course, it's stuff that you just can't tell people. You just, you you know, you almost have to, some things you have to find out for yourself. If, if you, if you tell somebody to go look at you, like you're crazy. So best you can do is just tell people, man, go out and just do as much reading and surfing and and talk to as many witnesses as you can. And then when you come up with your own, your own idea that there, which is what I'm doing right now. The museum is 98% complete. It'll, by the 4th of July, it'll just be a, a matter of maintaining all the lights and switches and buttons and right. And all the electronic, that's all I'm going to be doing. Right. It'll be finished. Every square foot will be complete. Hmm. Now I'm getting deep and dark into the heart of Bigfoot. Where are they from? I am not concerned with the reality. I don't care about the depth of the footprint in the substrate. And the break in the foot and how the toes play. I saw it's nice and interesting, but 
<laughs> doesn't answer the fundamental questions that I'm interested in. Who are they? Where do they come from? And what are they doing here? Those are the things that I'm working on. And like I said, the information you just can't share with anybody. You have to, they'd have to be uh, interested parties. Sure. And uh, are you are you planning? Do you have any conferences on the books for your conference room? I am actually working on our first town hall meeting, which I'm hoping <laughs> to happen in uh, in the in June. Right now, I've got enough witnesses to probably do two of them, and those are just mm. offhand some good witnesses. I'm not interested in doing road crossings, or I think I heard a branch break. I like to have the witnesses that saw these things do unusual things, mm -hmm. um, whether they're looking in the windows or uh, stealing things out of their garden or, you know, just unusual behavior characteristics. I, I think I find it interesting. And I think most people have read enough, you know, you know, brief encounters. I, I, I'm trying not to do that. I want to do things where people know that these things were actually interact with people. So those are right. some of the, uh, so that's what I'll be working on would be on the town hall meetings uh, for people in Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, and then, um, and then of course, going to conferences and getting out in the field with some researchers in their zones so we can figure out. Uh, I have my own theories with the, where these things come from, what they're doing here, and unfortunately, it's not all good. But uh, so that's what I'm working on right now. Well, I would love to be, uh, I would love to attend one of those town hall meetings. I think that'd be fantastic. Oh yeah. It'd be fun. We're going to, we'll put them out on our Facebook page uh, about a month before mm -hmm. they happen. And, okay. Uh, I'm not sure we can fit, we can comfortably seat 60 people in there. I can squeeze 70 in, but I'll probably stick with mm -hmm. 60. And if it's more folks than that one, we'll just do, we'll just do one at like uh, four and another one at eight. We'll just do two of them. Right. Yeah. yeah, we'll keep an eye out for that date, David. Oh yeah, sure. we we'd love to to attend that and and do some media on it, you know. And where you guys whereabouts in North Georgia are you again? Well, Ernie's up in the county. I'm in White County, which, as you know, yeah. is uh, quite a clustered area. Yeah, you're in, you're the mayor of Bigfootville up there. That's right. <laughs> yeah, <it's> <laughs> Don't tell him that, man. He's, he's not going <laughs> to sleep tonight, dude. Oh, man. I, I have a friend who just did a uh, – <laughs> she's doing a um, – oh, my gosh. She just came from Helen today. She's scouting for a place to do an expedition uh, this summer or fall in Helen. Uh-huh. You know, just north of one of the – one of the – is that Chattahoochee? Yeah. Uh, North National Forest up there? Yeah. So yeah. she's working on doing a uh, – a uh, expedition up there, up in, oh, right up in the neck of the woods. We have the spot. Is she independent or is she with a group? She's with a group. She's with the, uh, uh, well, I'll just say she's with a, a, a national group. Okay. Because I don't out her or anything like that. But uh, sure. yeah, they're, they're, I think she's thinking about doing one up there in the Helen area. That's yeah. what she's it's aiming for. Well, that's, that's where, that's where we're going to be come fall. And so we have, we have a really, really remote spot. Wow. That's not hard to get to. And from there, you can kind of sortie out. Um, it's in the dead set in the middle of a large mountain range. Wow. So from there, you can sortie out into every direction, really. And uh, well, wow. if it helps you out, any, it helps you out. If you can get out there and play some music and make them come to you. Um, I've had people that are very, that have a lot of uh, luck with 
put music out there, not calls or recorded Bigfoot mm-hmm. owls, but just music. Okay. That will, the, because that'll carry over long distance and they'll come in and check you out. They'll just come in and go, what in the world is that? So music is a very powerful mm-hmm. lure for them. Gotcha. That well, helps you at all. Hey, it, it does. I mean, I, do, I really don't want to be around them at night. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I, I have been before and it scared the living crap out of me. Damn right, buddy. It's scary. Um, we, yeah, we, we talked about that on the last episode, on episode four, and that was the that was the scream that we heard. Mm-hmm. And um and it was it, it was it was terrifying. And um like like I said on that episode, I, I just stood watch with my rifle over my shoulder until the sun came up. Wow. That's how bad it was. Um no, I want to catch them during the day. <laughs> like I said, I have a plan. I don't wanna I don't wanna divulge the plan i'll, I'll do it right. to you privately but yeah. i want to catch them in the day where they're at um and and i don't want to get into a linear battle with them because they 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 that's their that's they always win those linear battles um right I, i'm i'm gonna work around that with some technology i'll just say that from a mile away <laughs> right oh yeah it, yeah I can't blame yeah. it. It's it's just they're inherently scary, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And plus, uh, I want to get good footage of them, and they just won't come close enough during the day. They're not gonna, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. They're not. They're not gonna come shake your hand, you know. So, That's any, but yeah, we that you know we will um we'll turn them onto that spot. And it's just a remote spot. I can't say it's a hot spot. All I know is that it's so remote that you can go out on all kinds of sorties from a base camp. Um, so if they're looking to squatch in that area, we could show them the exact great place to set up a base camp. 10-4. And you, and you won't get in trouble. You're allowed to be back there. So. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and it's funny you bring that up because uh, we did – we had a separate company. A friend of mine do some hikes, Bigfoot hikes, but this forest service really clamped down on that. And they said if you're going to charge any kind of a yeah. fee, you have oh. to have insurance, yep. um, so many first aiders, yep. you have to have a permit, and then they're going to tell you where you can and can't go, which totally right. negates the purpose of it. Yeah, it takes away all the freedom. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, yeah, if you, you can find charge. a place. Right. Yeah. So if you can find a place. Well, they, I wasn't there, but these guys from uh, the BFRO were on it. Uh, they were – camping out just as friends and they were costed by the by the uh forest service so i want to know what they were doing well they just told them the truth you know we're, we're just bigfoot hunters we're bigfoot uh researchers we're here camping and they said do you have a permit we're like well, what do we need a permit for we're not we're not charging we're just camping mm-hmm. and they said if you're doing any kind of research you have to have a permit yeah you and just I, don't. But, you don't ever tell them that. <laughs> well, yeah, they learned the hard way. Yeah, and I guess those the, the uh, they they the police or the um, the uh, game wardens they sat there and watched them all night. They parked their truck off to the side and watched them. Oh God! But uh, yeah, and and they were like, well, do bird watchers do they have permits? When bird watchers go out and do their research and count birds, are they having permits? Uh, mm-hmm. What about uh, the people that go out and? Um, um, I know bear watch. If you're out yeah. watching for bear, do you have to have a permit or count deer? What about people who study ornithologists that have studied butterflies? Are they getting yeah. permits to go out? So 
when you look at this thing in, in its entirety, you realize there's a subtle effort here to keep people out of the woods looking for these things. Yeah, maybe so. You know, but yeah, you don't ever don't ever tell the authorities. Just don't even say Bigfoot, right? <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. ju I'm just a dumb camper. Yeah, that's all I am. Yeah, we're we're just back here getting drunk, sir. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> make, make, make sure your guns are unloaded. <laughs> okay, see you later. There's a lot of Bigfooters out there that uh, apparently have loved to have their vehicles wrapped. You know, with all kinds of yeah, <laughs> yeah, good. Blah, 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 and, you know, or the Bigfoot t-shirt, Bigfoot baseball cap, everything. Oh, you want to have a controlled experiment and make sure that you're limiting anybody that might want to hoax you or anybody that might want to shut you down, then keep your mouth shut and go do it. Yeah, yeah good, very good point. Yeah, but we do we do have that spot, man, in that area. And it's a, it, like I said, it's really remote. So um, we'd love to take you there or, you know, if you want to go squatch in next fall with us, man, let, you okay. know, let's, let's do it. Nice. I'll get in touch with you. We'll do that. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up, man. Um, thanks for coming on, David. And uh, again, everybody, please go, go check out this museum. It is, it is a wonderful, wonderful place. Thank you Absolutely. so much. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, David, for being here. Uh, you're a wealth of information and experience. Edition Bigfoot Sasquatch Museum in Cherry Log, Georgia. Yep, and uh, hopefully we'll see you this this June, if not sooner. Well, do yeah. guys. Thanks so much for having me. No All problem. Right. Have a great night, David. You too, fellas. All right, everybody, have a good night. Bye. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.